no game yesterday, so I basically had two options for today's show. I could read a selection of Emily Dickinson poems or take a look at what's going on in the rest of Major League Baseball. Uh, but Wild Night should be our luxury, so let's head to the lab for a look around baseball on today's Locked on Tigers podcast. It is Tuesday, April 9th, and I am your host, Chris Brown. Before we begin, I want to remind you again to download, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya, or whatever particular podcasting app you fancy. And if you're one of those people who drives and has a nice car, go ahead and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Tigers. And enjoy that, hopefully, on your commute. So a quick programming note. It occurred to me that I began yesterday's show with a montage of clips in which Kristen Stewart was getting big hit after big hit. And then I don't think I even talked about him in the podcast. So yeah, just to point out, Stewart was excellent last weekend against the Royals, going 5 for 10 with a double, a triple, a homer, and a walk, and 7 RBIs. Uh, He was great. He's going to need to keep hitting sort of like that because the early numbers on his defense are bad, bad, bad. But enough of that. Let's get to the lab. And in this version, we'll be taking a closer look at the National League East. So, at the top of the National League East, we have the Phillies, who beat the Nats last night to move to 7-2 and two on the season. Obviously, the biggest story this year is that they signed Bryce Harper, but they also made a lot of other solid moves. They traded with the Marlins for JT Realmuto, who's probably the best catcher in baseball, and then they added shortstop Gene Segura, and then they also signed Andrew McCutcheon. And so far, it all seems to be paying dividends on both sides of the ball. You know, last year, they had the worst team defense by just about any measure in Major League Baseball, and this year they have the fourth best. It's early, yes, and and defensive numbers are notoriously kind of wonky early in the year, but that could end up being a huge turnaround for them. They haven't really gotten going on offense yet, which is kind of uh, interesting. They're drawing walks at a higher rate than anybody else in baseball, though, and that's a big deal of scoring. And Reese Hoskins is starting to heat up. Now, they foolishly moved him to left field last year after the strange signing of Carlos Santana. So Santana was playing first, and they moved Hoskins to left. And I mentioned that bad defense. He was a big part of it last year. He... By StatCast's outs-above-average metric last year, he was the second-worst defensive outfielder in baseball ahead of only Nick Castellanos. But anyway, he's back at first base and taking walks and crushing dongs. He hit two more last night, so he uh, he's heating up. And the Phillies pitching is also off to a bit of a disappointing start this year. Aaron Nola was excellent last year, but he's had a tough go so far. Jake Arrieta is kind of troublingly just a guy now. And everybody's preseason breakout pick, Nick Pavetta, has run into some bad luck so far. Uh, though he and Nola have both given up three homers in nine innings, and, and that might portend bad things. But yet, with all that, they're still 7-2, and two, and uh, yeah, they look to be pretty strong this year. Behind them are the Mets, who stand at 6-3 and three after a busy offseason. Not quite as busy as Phillies, but maybe. Uh, and they're looking solid on both sides of the ball. Uh, strongest on the mound, again, led by Cy Young winner last year, Jacob deGrom, who was in the midst of truly one of the most dominant runs of starting pitching we've ever seen, at least in my lifetime. He, he put up a 1.70 ERA last year, and he hasn't given up a run yet this season in 13 innings while striking out 24, walking just two, and only allowing eight hits. It's uh, it's insane. Other than that, you know, their rookie first baseman, Peter Alonzo, is crushing the ball right now. He uh, When he does make contact, he makes the best kind of contact, which StatCast refers to as barrels. And maybe one day I'll, I'll dig a little bit deeper into that. But one of the things people... People were kind of curious in the offseason. A lot of the moves they made seemed to be superfluous. They they added J.D. Davis and Jed Lowry. They already had Jeff McNeil. They had Todd Frazier. But so far, a lot of injuries have made that depth really come into play, and they've got some great performances out of guys like J.D. Davis. So good for them. So up next we have the Braves, who 
are now 6-4 and four, right there on the Mets' heels. And their offense has been okay, although their third baseman, Josh Donaldson, who was their one big offseason acquisition, and Ronald Acuna Jr., last year's Rookie of the Year, they're both off to kind of slow starts with Acuna rocking an absurd 125 batting average on balls in play right now. Uh, and so when that corrects, he should be fine. But both of those guys are walking a ton, and Acuna did hit a 435-foot opposite field home run last night in Colorado, so I think maybe he'll be okay. But right now the main issue with the Braves is their pitching. Uh, Mike Fultonevich, their best pitcher last year, is on the IL, and the rest of the arms have just been okay so far. And the biggest issue for them so far has been relievers. They've given up a ton of walks and a ton of homers, although they got the job done last night. But, yeah, if only there were an elite reliever out there on the free agent market who had ties to Atlanta. Oh, well. That moves us on to the Nats, who lost to the Phillies. We already talked about the Phillies beating them. So the Nats are now 4-5. and five. And, you know, we lament sometimes about the Tigers not finishing the job with those great teams there from 2011 to 2014. But, uh, man, what about the Nats? Uh, I feel bad for their fans. They've had a remarkable amount of talent over the last seven or eight years. And they finished first or second in the division each of those years. And they've had four trips to the playoffs, and they've never made it out of the LDS Vision Series. Last, uh, so this year they lost Bryce Harper, you know, the heart of the team, I guess, Maybe not the heart of the team, but, you know, a big name. But they still have one of the most underrated stars in baseball in their third baseman, Anthony Rendon. And they have Juan Soto, who was a 19-year-old last year, did things that few, if any, 19-year-olds have ever done. And they had Trey Turner, who was an exciting mix of speed and power and defense. Through three games this year, he had two homers and four steals. But in that fourth game, he broke his finger on a damn bunt. So, bad for him. And then they have Rick Victor Robles, who is a legitimate five-tool player in center field. Uh and then the pitching staff, they still have Max Scherzer, and they have Steven Strasburg, and they went out and signed Patrick Corbin, and they have Sean Doolittle, who's one of the most talented relievers in baseball, one of the most unhittable relievers in baseball. So they just have this massive amount of talent again, and yet they still aren't winning. So I don't know. They need to figure out a way to win. Uh, and we finish up with the Marlins, who aren't any good, and that's by design. The uh, the Fighting Jeters are just 3-7 and seven this year, and they don't have much on offense. There are I looked up, there are 19 players in baseball this year who have gone to the plate 20 times or more and haven't walked yet, and four of them are Marlins. So there's not a whole lot of plate discipline going on there down in Miami right now. Our old friend Curtis Granderson is there holding it down, though, with two home runs, and they've been surprisingly okay on the mound with the staff ERA of 4.19, led by the likes of Caleb Smith, Trevor Richards, and Pablo Lopez. Trust me, I don't even know who they are. Uh, So, yeah, it's just kind of a perpetual rebuild down there in Miami, and I could only assume that the few Marlins fans are sad, sweaty, and lonely. Speaking of sad, sweaty, and lonely, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance, go from a five-tool player to perhaps a a five-and-a-half-tool player, and get that extra confidence in the bedroom. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no talking to a pharmacist, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And, yeah, what do you know? Once again, we've got another testimonial from someone named Gibby. So let's give that a listen. Kansas City's staying hard. Well, that's certainly good to hear, Gibby. 
And I figure instead of doing an Indians preview based on numbers, I would bring in a guest who actually watches the team. So I would like everyone to welcome Jeff Ellis, the host of Locked on Indians. And you can find him on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. And also check out his draft work at Scouting Baseball on the 24-7 Sports Networks. Uh, thanks for joining me, Jeff. I hope all is well with you. Uh, everything's going well. I will say, though, it's still going to be a lot of numbers, even though it is. Uh, you have the gas come again. I'm still so numbers heavy. I don't know if that was... Uh, no, well, that's fine. No, Selling but, him a false bill of goods. No, but I assume that you've actually watched some games where I, I yes, haven't seen an Indians true. game yet. So, yeah, anyway, I, I think most Tigers fans are familiar with the Cleveland Indians at this point, uh, at least most of the starting staff. But when I look at the lineups this year, there's a lot of un- unfamiliar names. So I'm kind of curious what you can tell us about guys like Jake Bowers, Jordan Luplo, Eric Stamets, and Max Moroff. So uh, you're referring to the Cleveland Indians AAA lineup who is currently starting for the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, it's an ugly group. You know, Eric Stametz came over, and and I always get my Murphys wrong. Daniel is the second baseman, so when they traded David Murphy to the Angels, they got Stametz, a speed defense guy who had a sub-600 OPS in a hitter's park in AAA last year. So, so far this year, he has one hit uh, and two walks in eight games. Like he has the, it's, it's not ideal. He leads the team in strikeouts and he has like very low power. So that's, oh, that's yeah. kind of where you are with that. Uh, Max Morhoff and Luplo came over in the Eric Gonzalez deal where they gave up Eric Gonzalez and uh, Tahane Thomas, who's a really interesting pitcher. Luplo is a platoon guy. Uh, Morhoff is a guy who can't hit. And uh, I'm trying to remember the other. Uh, Jake Bowers came over and the uh, part of the Carlos Santana deal where Tampa gave up Bowers, who's I still have a lot of hope for. It's been a bit of a rough start, but he's always been young for his level. He's only 23. But as an Indians fan, uh, the hard part about that deal was that they gave up Yandy Diaz. And I keep talking about on my podcast about how Yandy Diaz don't go and look up the numbers. Uh, just for you know a basic idea for Tigers fans out there. The Cleveland Indians so far have four total home runs as a team. Uh, Yandy Diaz, while hitting over 300, which is all he's done every time he's actually gotten a shot in the majors, has uh, three home runs by himself. So uh, thanks, Tito, for uh, for some reason deciding that Yandy couldn't play defense and was not a good hitter and refusing to play him the past few years. Well, so how many how many of those guys that I mentioned figure to be getting regular playing time all season, or is this just injury replacements? Uh, I mean, one of Morhoff or Stamets is going to be there all year. I assume when uh, when we get, I mean, at this point, Kipnis is likely to be the first one back. And when he's back, I assume that, see, the problem is Morhoff is more of a second baseman. He basically the only trait there that gives you some advantage is he has had a high walk percentage traditionally before this year. I say traditionally before this year because he has zero walks this year and 17 at bats while having eight strikeouts, which is good enough for like fourth on the team in strikeouts. He struck out almost half of his at bats. He was never good in the majors with Pittsburgh over the previous three years. So, you know, but Stamets has somehow been even worse. It's just, <laughs> I don't know what they do. Uh, Chang was hurt some of the spring, and there's really no reason for him to not be with this team. You know, it's just a lot of my kind of ambivalence, and while I've kind of ripped on the Indians, is there was a point where you could get guys for a song. You know, Bud Norris signed for a minor league contract, or, or uh, you know, like a spring training invite and for some reason the indians instead went out you know hanley ramirez has worked out he is statistically the indians best hitter uh, or second best hitter i'm sorry but this lineup is atrocious it is not fun to watch it's not fun to look at i mean there are most of this lineup has ops is under 500 
Carlos Santana's slugging percentage is 585, and that beats the OPS of most of his team. That's, uh, I, I can tell you that the Tigers fans probably feel your pain a little bit, that the offense has been actually even worse than Cleveland, I believe. But uh... I, I was noticing that when I looked at the numbers. Basically, the only reason we're better is because Carlos Santana has been the MVP of baseball for the first two weeks as a hitter. Yeah. I was going to ask you about Hanley Ramirez, but you brought him up, so I don't know if there's anything in particular you're seeing out of him or if it's just kind of early season uh, noise. I don't know how much it's – yeah, I've, I'm on record as being very uh, – not having a lot of faith in him but i mean the the thing with him right now is he leads the team with two home runs that's half of the indians home runs this year he's walking at a decent pace but uh, he's not going to be walking 19 percent of the time for the entire year uh, he's striking out 38 percent of the time which again isn't even good enough for top five on the indians right now you know it, he's at least shown something it's going to be maybe a three outcomes player but i they just there's some names down there in AAA to help them out, but it's uh, I mean I feel like I'm Mr. Negative as I get on the mic every day and just talk about uh, how unbelievably bad this roster is for especially for a contending team. Yeah, you wouldn't expect a guy have to scrap people like Hanley Ramirez on the team, but you never know. So speaking of Ramirez, what's what's the level of concern with Jose Ramirez because he was basically an MVP last year until about the last month, and then he had a rough playoff stretch, and he's off to another slow start. Is there any concern there? Yeah, I spent a show talking about that because it wasn't just like the playoffs. He was actually the last month and a half of the year was a below average hitter and it seemed to be once he got close to 40 home runs he was at this place where he was going to be a 40 40 guy and it seemed that he just started to press he ended up with 39 home runs and 34 stolen bases oh that was going to be the big thing he had a chance for 40 doubles 40 home runs and 40 stolen bases a combination that i can't remember if someone else had done but it was a very small group and he seemed to start pressing and then it just all fell apart on him and last month and a half he was not good i don't know if it's What's the old Yogi Berra quote? Like 90% of the game is half mental. I don't know if this is that like half mental, but I mean, there is, you know, I'm never someone who wants to be like, oh no, the sky is falling. It's we're at like, what, the 5% mark for the season, probably not even that far. But for me, it's more the, you can get concerned when you have that, oh, he struggled at the end of last year. Or when you're the, an Indians fan, you're like, oh, Roberto Perez has four years of awful hitting data that's not going to change like i can use previous years or the there before so i would list it as a mild concern i mean it's still early some guys start slow ramirez typically doesn't santana typically does so it's interesting to see that reversal you hope you can turn it around but i mean it's that's part of the problem right now you have one mvp candidate hurt uh the other mvp candidate has a you know is batting under 200 with no power at all and then you have a lot of, well, you have one has been and a lot of maybes and some never were. And it's, yeah, I mean, the Indians were for a long time, I don't know if they still are, were like 30th in the MLB in average and on base percentage and slugging. They were, they were really kicking up the end of it. Yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned Lindor. What's the timetable on his return? At this point, I don't think anyone really knows. You know, it started with the, uh, by the way, the, if you listen to Locked On Indians, the fact that I say you know 40 times an episode is uh, is something that I, I am cognizant of and trying to cut back on. Oh, I do it too. But it starts with the calf, and calf injuries are kind of notorious for leading to other injuries or never clearing up quite well. And just the problem was is, you know, it's a very classic case. 
it's a calf injury. He needs rest. That's not what they had him do. He overdid it. He was running the bases and he got an ankle injury and like, well, they're not related. Of course they're related. Like he already had a calf injury. He was ahead of schedule from overwork and he hurts another body part. It's going to be three to four weeks. I mean, when it broke, I had one person tell me it was going to be like months and then someone told me it was going to be weeks. But the general consensus was no one knew how it's going to turn out. And some of these times when someone has this calf injury that leads to other injuries, even when they do come back, they're not the same player that year. They're not to the same level. So it, it, it could be something that even when he comes back, he could end up statistically performing at 80% of normal or, you know, could be fine or could be worse. Yeah, well, so yeah, I understand why you might be a little bit negative at the beginning of the season. But there's still that the rotation. And I think Tigers fans are, are pretty well acquainted with uh, the likes of Corey Kluber and Trevor Bauer, who I think they face on, on the first two games of the series. Although if there's anything new about those guys, please uh, let us know. But I think they might want to know a little bit more about Shane Bieber, who is scheduled to throw uh, on Thursday. So what can you say about him? Uh, you know, the nice thing when you're the Cleveland Indians and why I think they have the best rotation in baseball is you look at a Shane Bieber, who's their fifth starter, who actually, because they didn't need a starter, had a game in relief at the start of the year. And last year, if you had looked at his FIP, if he had qualified because he was only up for half a season, he would have been, I want to say, amongst the top 20 of pitchers in the American League in FIP. Like all five Indian starters were amongst the top 20. They had two in the top five. It was It's a lineup with... I think Bieber is a legitimate future number two. I'm not going to really – that number one ceiling is very mm-hmm. rare to me. That's like the guys who are amongst the top fives. That is like Corey Kluber. That is Trevor Bauer. Those guys are guys who can be number ones. But uh, uh, when I say a number two ceiling, I mean, that's still someone who could make multiple all-star games and maybe occasionally peek into that top five area. It's He doesn't walk guys. He's able to miss bats, pinpoint control. If he was facing the Indians, you'd carve him up. Uh, Detroit's <laughs> a lot of free swingers. Outside of Kluber, he might be the worst guy to face just because of how good that control is. Kluber's is, but I will say this at the same time, Kluber's control has not been as strong this year. So we'll have to see how that goes. And Carrasco had an awful first start and came back strong. In some regards, uh, you guys are lucky because Clevenger has been far and away the uh, the most the best pitcher, and you guys will miss him. And Bauer has been a close second. So you could make a, a case so far this year that you know you got Bauer and Clevenger in the top, and then the the next three are all kind of grouped. Oh, luxury. A lot Tigers used to have a luxury sort of like that with, with, uh, back in the yeah, day. Yeah, I've but, never. Yeah. This is the best Indians lineup of my life I'm, and without someone jumping down my throat it's maybe the best rotation since peak Yankees with Pettit and Clemens or I think of it in regards to that the Atlanta ones I mean yeah. last year it was the first time ever the team had four 200 strikeout pitchers I believe so it's I get scoffed at as a homer with that but you know when you just sit there and you look at the numbers the rotation it's going to keep any team afloat yeah Okay, so and the, the last question I got for you is, how, how's the bullpen this year? If we have a couple close games here, do the Tigers have a chance to come back and win? The bullpen's been surprisingly effective, even though it's a lot of, not a lot of players I would expect to stay effective. Neil Ramirez has been terrible, and he was he's been terrible his entire major league career, and he's one of those guys that, there are some guys who have a good year, a bad year, and then they never get another chance, whereas a Neil Ramirez can, you know, have six years in the majors through various teams, 167 games, and never really been good. He had one good season with the Cubs years ago. Brad Hand, is velocity is still down at points, but he's got enough of everything else that he's works as the closer. It's an odd year, so Dan Otero should be good. 
<laughs> Adam Simber, we'll have to see. I mean, Adam Simber had no business being on the postseason roster last year, but this year it's going well. Uh, the numbers are bad for Oliver Perez, but he should be just a loogie. Edwards Olsen. Olsen two years ago looked like a, a future central part of the Indians, so we'll have to see about him. But like Edwards and Ramirez, those are just placeholders at this point in time. Well, right on, Jeff. I, I appreciate you taking some time out to give us a little preview of the Indian series. We'll see how it goes. And where can people find you? Uh, all over. On Twitter, I'm Jeff MLB Draft. On 24-7 Sports, one of like four baseball people left, I think. Scouting baseball you can find there. And then on the Locked On Podcast Network, I am Locked On Indian. So thank you for uh, letting me come on. Absolutely, Jeff. We'll do it again sometime. Sounds great. And that's the show for today. I hope you enjoyed a little bit of a break from the Tigers. I know the show is called Locked on Tigers, but we're really not that self-centered, are we? We can we can branch out and learn about other teams, can't we? So, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed that NL East preview and the Indians series preview, and hopefully you'll enjoy these three upcoming day games, which is just the best. Uh, but, yeah, before I leave, just want to remind you to go ahead and rate and review and download on all your favorite podcast networks and send me comments or questions at LockedOnTigers at gmail.com. And yeah, go enjoy your first place Tigers for a couple more games, hopefully, and have a nice day.